Tonight, the prospect of a 2024 presidential rematch after a red wave fails to materialize in the midterms. Joe Biden on a White House bid. Our intention is to run again. As his predecessor takes a political beating from his own party. This is a time that Donald Trump is no doubt in the rearview mirror. A Canadian baby makes medical history. No doubt in my mind a miracle. A deadly disease and a life-saving treatment before birth. She's shown us that it does work. Plus, maintaining the wheels of war. It's the least we can do to, to show some kind of thanks and respect. A salute to Canada's motorized military history. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. The pivotal contest for control of the U.S. Congress is far from settled tonight. Even as the votes were still being counted today, Joe Biden took a victory lap to celebrate stronger-than-expected results after the Republican wave many were predicting ended up being a ripple. That could impact Donald Trump's political future. The former president has hinted at a comeback bid next week, but a rising Republican star, Ron DeSantis, is emerging as one of Trump's top rivals in 2024, setting the stage for a showdown. It'll be fun watching them take on each other. <laughs> All right, and Dave. Biden said today he plans to be the man to take on the battle for the Democrats. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin starts us off. U.S. President Joe Biden taking a bit of a victory lap after his Democrats defied political history even in a bad economy. But the voters were also clear that they are still frustrated. I get it. His party doing better than expected, holding off that so-called Republican red wave. It was a good day, I think, for democracy. A win, though his Democrats will likely lose the House to Republicans. The American people are ready for a majority that will offer a new direction. The fight for the Senate is still up in the air. Democrats celebrating their biggest win in Pennsylvania. I'll be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. John Fetterman recovering from a stroke, defeated Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz, hand-picked by Donald Trump. Ohio sending Republican J.D. Vance to the Senate, another Trump pick. And it could all come down to Georgia. Democratic Senator the Reverend Raphael Warnick. Keep the faith and keep looking up. And Trump-backed challenger football star Herschel Walker headed to a runoff election next month. I'm like Ricky Bobby. I don't come to lose. Some are calling Trump the biggest loser of the night. His hand-picked candidates, many of them election deniers. We had a big day today, and don't let those cheaters and crooks think anything different. Are faring badly or have lost. I think if they win, I should get all the credit, and if they lose, I should not be blamed at all. Trump is poised to take a third run at the presidency with an announcement next week, and the knives are out. The Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now because this is, this is an absolute disaster. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis seen as a possible presidential contender after his landslide win in Florida. We not only won election, we have rewritten the political map. 
This is just a preview of what's to come in 2024. As for Biden, he intends to run for president again, saying he'll make a decision early next year. Omar? All right, Joy, thank you. There were some notable milestones to come out of yesterday's elections. Maxwell Frost becomes Generation Z's first congressman after the 25-year-old Democrat won a House seat in Florida. In Maryland, Democrat Wes Moore becomes the state's first black governor and a first for New York. That state's first elected female governor is Kathy Hochul. She took over from Andrew Cuomo when he resigned last year over sexual harassment allegations. A major setback for Moscow tonight in the war against Ukraine. The Russian military announced it is pulling back from Kherson, a gateway to the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula, seized days after the invasion began. But Kyiv isn't convinced, believing it could be a trap for Ukrainian troops. Here's CTV's Danielle Hamamjan. Once completely surrounded by Russian troops, Kherson was the first major Ukrainian city they captured. Almost nine months later, they're being ordered to withdraw in what would be one of the most significant retreats of the war and a humiliating setback. The announcement was delivered on Russian television. With Moscow's top military commander reporting to the defense minister that it would be impossible to supply the city and that its defense would be futile. I agree, he responded. Proceed with their withdrawal. For weeks, Ukrainian forces have been advancing towards Kherson, the only regional capital to have fallen to the enemy. The Russians, meanwhile, were racing to relocate more than 100,000 residents by ferrying them to the opposite side of the Dnipro River where the Russian defense minister has ordered his troops to take up defensive lines. News of the retreat came shortly after the city's deputy leader, installed by the Kremlin, was reported to have been killed in a car crash. There will be fighting in the city. It, will, it is not empty. It's got booby traps. There are probably laid-back patrols. They will shell it. Uh, the Russians won't give it up uh, quite as easily as uh, the announcement today might suggest. The city of Kherson in the region that bears its name was one of four illegally annexed by Vladimir Putin. It was declared part of Russia forever, and that was just weeks ago. Officials in Kyiv remain skeptical of the announcement until there's a Ukrainian flag flying over Kherson, they said. It's too early to talk of a Russian withdrawal. Omar. All right, Danielle, thanks. Lawyers for American basketball star Brittany Griner confirmed the 32-year-old has been moved to an undisclosed penal colony in Russia to serve her sentence. Griner lost an appeal of her nine-year sentence last month. She was convicted of carrying vape canisters containing cannabis oil, which is banned in Russia. Despite failed efforts to bring her back to the U.S., President Biden today reaffirmed his determination to do so. Doctors across this continent are dealing with the perfect storm when it comes to pediatric health, the early arrival of the flu, resurgence in RSV cases, and the spread of COVID. Now some medical experts are renewing their call to mask up, and a majority of Canadians agree. Seven in ten say they would support the return of face masks if authorities deemed it necessary. This as parents deal with a dire medication shortage for their children. CTV's Adrian Gobriel reports. 
Empty pharmacy shelves are leading to soaring temperatures for children and panic for parents. We're going to go to the hospital and they're going to say your child needs fever-reducing medications. The once routine trip to the pharmacy now turning into a frustrating, futile excursion for families. A national shortage of children's Tylenol and Advil is compounding an already challenging respiratory virus season across the country. We have two suppliers and we call them, they have nothing. Canada's Minister of Health this week blaming the shortage on the rising wave of respiratory illnesses. The demand for analgesics has soared. We now understand really well that this is driven by the severe viruses that are impacting our children across Canada. Though that explanation isn't sitting well with medical professionals. It's been gone for like, uh, what, three months now? So it's definitely a supply problem. The lack of medication is in part being blamed for a spike in children arriving at hospitals. Today, Ottawa's Children's Hospital opened a second pediatric intensive care unit. At Toronto SickKids, ER wait times are up to 12 hours and occupancy rates have hit 133% in their general medicine unit. With some Canadian hospitals reporting a historic number of children at their doorstep, there's calls for a return to a mask mandate for the country's largest public school board in Toronto. Though one infectious disease doctor believes we shouldn't rush to any sweeping directives until we can understand all the factors at play. Despite what you see online, we've got to be careful here. We've got to be careful here. Like it's, there's a lot of overconfidence in an area where we should be treading with uh, some uncertainty. For families leaving their regular pharmacy empty-handed, one option is to locate a compounding pharmacy in your community where they can make the equivalent of name-brand children's medication right on site. Omar? All right, Adrian, thank you. And we have a medical first to report tonight involving a Canadian toddler. She had a rare genetic disorder called Pompe disease that is usually fatal. But doctors using groundbreaking therapy treated her before she was born. Here's CTV's Avis Favreau with the fascinating intervention. Okay, let me get you. Scientific advances sometimes come in small packages, and 16-month-old Isla is one. Treated for a deadly disorder and healed before birth. She's our little miracle baby in front of us, and she's shown us that it does work. Her parents, Saeed and Sobia, have two healthy children, but they had two others who died of Pompeii, a fatal genetic disease. When they learned they were expecting another child with the disorder, the Canadian couple looked for solutions. And it was being worked on in this lab in California, where researchers were about to launch a study to see if they could stop Pompe disease by giving babies a missing enzyme before birth to prevent damage to their hearts and muscles. But it was in the midst of the pandemic and so their doctors in Ottawa asked if they could try the American experimental therapy here in Canada. There's damage being done even before a baby's born, and that damage can be irreversible. So doctors at the Ottawa hospital gave the fetus six infusions of an enzyme therapy into the umbilical cord vein. Now a new report confirms Isla was born with no signs of Pompe disease. We've been working together to take care of this family, and we're thrilled about the good outcome in this situation. Her case shows that it is possible to diagnose and treat children with genetic disorders before birth, with the study now expanding to include families from around the world. The toddler continues to get the treatment once a week to ensure she stays well. All I hope for is that she has a happy, healthy and fulfilling life. You're okay. Avis Favreau, CTV News, Toronto. 
And it was a bad day for big tech after a massive round of layoffs at Meta. The parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp slashed 13% of its workforce. As CTV's Genevieve Beauchemin reports, Meta's struggles are the latest blow to an entire industry. Meta mailed out more than 11,000 layoff notices, including to workers in Toronto and Montreal, with some claiming to have been affected posting on LinkedIn. Deep cuts that come after a pandemic hiring boost. CEO Mark Zuckerberg took responsibility, writing that he got this wrong, saying online commerce returned to prior trends. But analysts zeroed in on other glitches too. At Meta, the company rebranded from Facebook to Meta a year ago as it faced backlash over privacy lapses, unchecked disinformation. Hey, it began to invest billions in, in Zuckerberg's Metaverse project, an immersive digital universe. And advertisers not spending as much. It's not surprising to me that Mr. Zuckerberg had to make this call. Meta is also part of a shakeup across social media platforms, including a chaotic overhaul at Twitter that today had American President Joe Biden talking about investigating billionaire owner Elon Musk. Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries uh, is worthy of being looked at. And while Musk says Twitter usage has never been higher... I'm going to get out. A series of high-profile Twitter quitters are among users venturing on to new platforms. You know, this, this isn't a place for me anymore. Vancouver's Tara Robertson has now left Twitter, a place where she once loved to connect. The amount of garbage that I was witnessing, it's not worth it. Social media platform Mastodon has picked up more than a million users and climbing. One percent of my this cybersecurity expert says she's carefully looking at what will happen with Twitter. You fire half of the company. There's a ton of institutional memory that goes out the door. And analysts say cuts at these companies could signal big trouble ahead for big tech. Geneviève Beauchemin, CTV News, Montreal. A protester yelling anti-royal and anti-slavery remarks was arrested today after throwing eggs at King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla in Northern England. <laughs> Several eggs were lobbed at the royals before the crowd grabbed the man, taking him to the ground. As police arrived, people shouted, God save the king. The royal couple was not hit. Time for a short break, but when we come back... It feels like everything is broken in this country. Complaints from the Conservative leader at a rare press conference. Plus, a fishing trip that jumps the shark. New insight today into the February blockade that paralyzed cross-border traffic for weeks in Coots, Alberta. The town's mayor explained to the Emergencies Act inquiry why text messages from that time show him describing the protesters as domestic terrorists. When I look for the definition of uh, a domestic terrorist, these people seem to fit that bill, and yet no one ever labeled them that. The mayor said he believes the RCMP were caught off guard by the blockade and that he never got the support he expected from the federal and provincial governments. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev reaffirmed his support today for the so-called Freedom Convoy, but says he'll wait until the public inquiry is over before weighing in on what it's heard. Polyev made those comments in Vancouver, where in a rare news conference since becoming top Tory, he took questions from reporters. Here's CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier. 
In an upscale supermarket in Vancouver, one of Canada's most expensive cities, this was Pierre Poilievre's message. It's great to be in beautiful British Columbia. Um, unfortunately, though, it feels like everything is broken in this country right now. And it's mostly Justin Trudeau's fault, he says. Inflation, cost of living, the overpriced housing market, the soaring cost of fuel, the crime rate, even the opioid crisis. B.C. has had a 300% increase in drug overdose deaths since Trudeau took office. While answering journalists' questions, the tone was somewhat combative. Pierre Poilievre, who doesn't typically face a gaggle of parliamentary media in Ottawa like other party leaders, says he has his reasons. It's not just the parliamentary press gallery that gets to control the agenda. We get to talk to, to journalists across the country and to Canadians. Uh, that's how we reach out. An irreverent style that has won him the overwhelming support of his party and an increasing popularity with Canadians, according to recent polls. He has an ability to sort of capture you know, the, the zeitgeist before anybody else does. He was talking about inflation before it was even a twinkle in anybody else's eye. A leader with more than one and a half million followers on social media where he controls his message, Poilievre possesses an individualistic approach that allows him to ignore legacy media whenever he wants. It's apparent from Pierre Poilievre's tone that he regards the media much the same way bears regard hornets. They're an annoyance. This is all about control as far as he's concerned. From conservative attack dog in the House to leader of the Conservative Party, Poilievre needs to broaden his base to prepare for the next federal election. And he clearly believes that it's not in Ottawa that he can make that happen. Joyce Napier, CTV News, Ottawa. Still ahead, a gold rush in Newfoundland. A 600-year-old gold coin gives a new glimpse into Canada's past. A whale of a story out of New Zealand tonight where a fishing charter got the surprise of a lifetime. Wow, a massive shark leapt out of the water and right onto the front of their boat. They'd been searching for kingfish when the shark turned up to grab the bait instead. The boat's owner says it managed to wiggle free of the hook and safely swim away unharmed. And Toronto landed a different kind of trophy today after the FIFA World Cup arrived in style. <laughs> Toronto Mayor John Tory and former Brazilian soccer star Kaká were on hand to unveil the 18-karat gold trophy as part of the final leg of its 51-country global tour before the World Cup kicks off on November 20th in Qatar. Last year, FIFA announced Toronto as one of the 16 host cities for the 2026 tournament. A history buff in Newfoundland struck gold when he uncovered what's thought to be the oldest English coin ever found in Canada. The coin is about 600 years old, which means it predates the first documented European contact with North America since the Vikings. It was likely minted in London between 1422 and 1427. And when we return. It's the least we can do to, to show some kind of thanks and respect. Revving up cherished war relics for a Remembrance Day return.
And finally for us tonight, an army of volunteers is gearing up to bring old military vehicles back to rolling glory for a special procession of remembrance on November 11th. Here's CTV's John Venavelli Rao on their remarkable tribute to the veterans who served in them. At a museum in Oshawa, not only can you see an old Model T ambulance, the kind used during the First World War, they've also got such relics up and running, part of a remarkable effort to keep vehicles from the military past alive. Why do you do this? It's the least we can do to, to show some kind of thanks and respect. From those used in the first Gulf War to an entire warehouse filled with working tanks, including a venerable Sherman. Yeah, clear. More than 150 dedicated volunteers helped to keep operational the biggest collection of its kind in North America. In here you'd have your driver. Veteran Phil Martin is a volunteer and served in Cyprus. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to be a part of this. This all started in the early 1980s when a group of military retirees formed a club, got a hold of some surplus ferret scout cars, and drove them in Remembrance Day parades. So the vehicles we're looking at here were built here in Ontario. The collection has since massively grown, in particular in the last decade. On November 11, 2018, they rolled a convoy of dozens of tanks and military vehicles, much to the delight of veterans at a local service. It's incredible that on Remembrance Day, uh, so many of them will come up and, and thank us for doing the parade, and we have to turn it back and say, you know, no, we thank you for your service. We're doing this just uh, to keep the memory going and to honor Remembrance Day. Known as the Ontario Regiment Museum, the regiment fought with distinction. It's become so big, they do tank weekend events and battle reenactments. And now the volunteers are polishing up the old vehicles, getting ready for another parade. Once I joined here, it's just it's been very good for my soul. It'll be their first such convoy since the pandemic shut everything down. You want the vehicles looking in tip-top condition? I'm happy that Remembrance Day is back. It's always been a, a source of pride for us here. This is the record. Volunteer Jessica Freeman Mason is 17 years old and can't wait to see it. I think it's really amazing. It's going to be definitely an unmatched experience and something I'll never forget. And never forgetting is what it's all about. John Benavalli Rao, CTV News, Oshawa, Ontario. Such a fascinating part of the past. And a reminder that we will bring you live coverage of the National Remembrance Day Ceremony from Ottawa Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. And we'll also see you tomorrow night from Ottawa. That is a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and good night. National News, Canada's number one newscast. Five crucial questions to expose the truth. Who's at risk? What needs to change? When will justice be done? There was actually a plot to kill you. Where's the proof? Why did this happen? Watch W5 Saturdays at 7 on CTV.